Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome back to Key 3 Educators. I'm delighted today to have as my guest, Jenny Ford. Jenny is an educator with both public and private Christian school experience. She has been and currently is an academic advisor, advising both students and parents about what classes to make and how to guide their high school and middle school experience. She is also a department chair for both science and language arts. And Jenny comes with not only a lot of experience, but knowing her personally, she comes with a real heart for teachers, for parents, and for students. And she has lived out in her own life, not only as an educator, but also as a parent, those values that she places on a quality and Christian education. And she is also a supporter of quality public education as well. So Jenny, thank you so much and welcome to the Key 3 Educators podcast. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm delighted to be talking with you today. Absolutely. And so for all of our educators, whether you are an administrator, you're a department chair, you're a teacher, or even if you are a homeschooler, there are some things here today that Jenny's going to share that's going to absolutely add value to your role and to your life. So we're going to begin and Jenny's just going to share with us. Uh, we're just going to leave this pretty open ended. What are some of the best practices that you have found that you can share with educators that they can put to use? Just off the top of my head, several years ago, I was reading something and it has stuck with me. And for any educator, there's a, a fine line between doing too much and doing too little in preparation for what you're teaching what, or even in grading, you know, reviewing students' work, giving them feedback. And that is that teachers should not work harder than their students. Mm -hmm. And throughout my time teaching, there certainly have been times when I've realized that I have been working harder than my students in terms of not just the time that I've put in, but the amount of feedback that I've given. And I think sometimes, especially for educators who are trying to help students with writing, for instance, and communicating through the written word. We have a tendency to want to give them input on everything, whether it's their sentence style, grammar, spelling, the content of what they're writing about. And I, I've learned that sometimes less is more. So I'm trying to as I think about the upcoming school year, rather than kind of going ahead and preparing too much so that my students don't have to wade through as much information, if you will, I'm trying to maybe put some of that on their, their shoulders. And of course, I mainly have 11th grade students so you've got students that are much more independent learners than younger students. So sometimes that's easier said, and said than done. But the idea of not working harder than your students has really stuck with me. And 
I think sometimes it's just better to let students make mistakes and help them figure out how to, you know, be so be a supportive person to help them realize how to correct mistakes or move on from mistakes. So that's one of the, I think I'm talking about that just because I, I struggle with not working harder than my students do and wanting to maintain balance where that's concerned. I, I really like the fact that you haven't given a formula there, but you've given a principle that somebody can say, oh, I, I can apply this, you uh-huh. know, in a way. And since we are seeing record numbers of burnout and people leaving the teaching profession, and a lot of that is due to the amount of overwhelm from the, the work that's expected right, that typically you don't get compensated for those those hours, you know, nobody, nobody gets paid for teaching on it, you know, like like that. Um, that I, I, I like that. So thank you for sharing that as as a principle. Um, anything else that you have, whether it's in general, or it's specific for subject matter of, um, you know, in classes that you've taught to say, hey, here's a little technique or a tip that I found that has has made a difference. I think I can't think of any techniques that are coming to mind right now, but in terms of, I guess I see um, educating as in, in many ways, a triangle where you have the educator, the parent and the student. And I think sometimes, particularly in public education, Parents often think that they don't have, it's not their role to provide any input or to ask for um, explanations from teachers in terms of, you know, how can I best support my student here at home? And I think many times parents are of the mindset that, okay, I'm going to prepare my student with the supplies and whatever they need for school and send them to school. But then that's where my responsibility or my role ends. And I think having taught in a public school, although it was a long time ago, I really appreciated parents who were supportive of their child and also supportive of me as the classroom teacher. And I think many times, um, even in something as simple as going to a parent-teacher conference, that even if you have a student that does well in school that's not struggling in any way, just having that face-to-face time with teachers so that they know you, you know them, and it gives them an opportunity to know more about your child, that I think sometimes in, a, in the busyness of our lives, we think, well, my child's doing well in school, so I don't really need to go to that conference. And yet it really does help provide support, I think, of the teacher and of the parents. And um, the school I'm part of now is definitely a partnership with parents. 
and we try to have parents more involved, particularly on days when students are working from home. And having been a parent of a student in that school also, it really, I think it just helps everybody to have support and communication between the parents and the teacher and knowing that they're there to help the student, that they have that goal in common. Right. And so if you want to uh, just kind of walk us through a little bit about the university model. So since our audience is primarily Christian school leaders and educators, as well as some home educators, then, and I know that Christian schools are exploding across the United States as, as is um, homeschooling. And so for people who may be look, looking at starting a school or thinking in terms of you know, what, what, what kind of school do we maybe look for for our students? Can you just kind of give us an overview of what the university model school structure is? And then anything that you have found, whether it's specific to a university model school, or perhaps just looking at private education in general, and some of the benefits that you see, as well as maybe some of the challenges that you see in that parent-teacher role and relationship. Sure. A university model school is basically functions as the name suggests as a university model. So typically in a university setting, students sign up for the classes they need to take to reach their end goal of usually a specific degree. And so they attend classes, you know, three days a week, two days a week, whatever, the schedule indicates and so they just they take the classes they need to take and then much of their learning is part of their responsibility to do outside of the walls of the classroom so university model is very much a partnership with parents so students attend class at at our school three days a week monday wednesday friday and then the teacher has the responsibility of providing work for the students to do on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And hopefully with the parent involved in that, and with younger students, the parents of course are more involved than with with older students. And the, so in many ways, it's a hybrid type of education where you have some of it occurring at school and then some continuing on at home. So I know for our school population, some of the students come to us from a public school setting where parents want to be a little more involved in their kids' education, or maybe they want there to be more of a biblical worldview in the coursework the students are doing. And then we also have students that have been homeschooled and the parents maybe reach a point where they maybe don't have the expertise to help us subjects advance. So sometimes we have homeschool students who come and take one or two classes at our school. So they can be part-time or they can be a full-time student if that's how they want to structure their 
school day, if you will. So I think that it's really, it, it fills um, a niche, I guess, that traditional schools don't fill in terms of a five-day-a-week school. And I really appreciate that I'm valued as a parent and seen as really in many ways the expert on my child because I know my child better than others. And um, so I, I, when, it, when it works well, it works really well. And of course there are challenges with it because we do have parents that don't quite understand their role as a partner. And I think some who maybe aren't as interested in partnering with the school, they maybe have more of a traditional mindset of I'm going to send my kid to school and they will take care of educating. And that's not part of my job as a parent. Um, and, you know, fortunately, the majority of the families involved in the school I'm part of are very much in a partner mindset. And, and sometimes it just takes time for parents and students and the teacher to kind of figure out how it all works together. And I appreciate the fact that you are sharing both the the positives and you're sharing there are vulnerabilities here. And every model of education has those. And I think we do an injustice if we try to say this model is all bad and this model is all good. And we realize that anywhere people are involved, we are going to have strengths and we're going to have weaknesses. We're going to have successes and we're, we're going to have things that work out really well. And we're going to have problems and challenges that, that we have to um, work with. And so I think that that's important because one of the things, especially so many people um, around the country that as a result of COVID for the first time really began to be intimately involved in their children's education. And many people that said, whoa, wait, wait a minute. We didn't know what was really going on. So in any model, a parent has the opportunity to be as involved as, to be as knowledgeable as they want to be about what's going on. But some models certainly make that easier than others, right? And so, um, but one of, the, one of the things that I know that can happen, because this is just part of, of human nature, is we can tend to have that pendulum effect so if we look at something here and think, oh, the, the, man, we didn't know this was so bad. So we're going to go over here and then we can kind of enter things and into the kind of this honeymoon kind of phase where it's all going to be, you know, roses and sunshine and everything. And that's not that's not the reality of life. And so I think it's important for us to be able to have honest conversations about how things are and the challenges that are there, you know, and how, how do we deal with those? So um, I'm, I'm kind of kind of uh, change gears just a little bit. And I know this has been, and it will continue to be a, an issue, and that is the role of technology. And so schools and educators on one hand have this weight of, we need to help prepare students to live in a a technological world where they do need to be tech savvy. And at the same time, we have kids who are now digital natives. 
so they're not being introduced to computers and smartphones you know when they're 10 they're they're birthed you know and surrounded with those and i know that you as a language arts instructor we now have this whole issue of ai and how that's going to impact writing so can, uh, yes. we we know you have the, the perfect solution for this right so you're going to share it with the world today yes all right but no, so let's talk a little bit about technology. And that can be AI, and that, that can be cell phones, that can be the, as an educator, when you have the expectation to say, what are you doing to teach students both this content as well as technological skills and anything that you have found that's like, this is meaningful technological application and this might check a box for technology application, but it really doesn't have any real value in, in the classroom. And maybe it even distracts from that. So, um, so again, we're going to be kind of open-ended here, and I'm going to kind of let you take the lead and start with where you want to go in, in that aspect of technology. I, I see the role of technology as, I see technology as a tool in the classroom. And so um, it's not necessarily, uh, it can be a pathway to help students learn, certainly. It can also be, as you've kind of mentioned, a detriment also. And I realize, I mean, my daughter will be a junior in high school and she was born the year before the iPhone came out. So she's grown up her entire life with smartphones. And I'm constantly asking my kids how to do certain things with the phone. And they're teaching me all kinds of things about how to do this, how to do that, not just with phones, with computers also. So I have found one of the really enriching opportunities with technology is to learn from students and to try to figure out, okay, what is it they understand? Because many times they understand sort of the processes of how to find information, um, where to, I guess, um, what to do with the information they find. But I think one of the ingredients that's missing is the thought process. And um, a friend and I have these t-shirts that say um, teachers because Siri and Alexa don't know everything. <laughs> I like that. And you know, Siri and Alexa can find the answer to just about anything, but they can't necessarily put it in context or put it in terms of, okay, how am I going to use this information? And so I think, as educators and as parents, that's maybe one of the most important roles where technology is concerned with our students because they can find just about anything they want to find online particularly, but many times they don't have the life experience to put it in a context or necessarily to learn from it. And so that's one of the I guess, guiding principles I keep in mind when I'm planning to use technology with students or trying to anticipate, given a certain assignment, how they 
will probably approach it with technology. And many times I even just have discussions with them of, okay, here's an assignment. And yes, you can go out and find an essay online and buy it if you want to and rearrange the words. Um, Because unfortunately, even in a Christian school, I've had students do that. Um, But then they're not thinking for themselves. And because that's really what we want is to help them learn to think critically, to think for themselves. So they don't just hear something and think, oh, I think I agree with that. And and we want them to be discerning. So that's what I, that's kind of my guiding principle where technology is concerned is how can it be used as a tool to enable my students to think critically? Um, This past year, I did have issues with AI in terms of students using it at times to write for them. And of course, AI has become very sophisticated because it can learn a student's writing style, for instance, and it can mimic that in terms of producing whatever assignment the student might need. Um, And there are certainly ways of, there are some websites that educators and parents can use that will scan maybe a paragraph or an essay that someone has written and it can determine if it's likely written by a human or likely written through AI. And it's not completely foolproof. I mean, it, it does make mistakes. Um, but I try to use a combination of, I guess, the old fashioned paper and pencil writing in my classroom, as well as students using their computers and word processing. I use Google Classroom mainly for students to turn in assignments. And it fortunately has a plagiarism checker for students. Um, But, you know, as AI becomes more used, if you will, I'm finding that in some ways it takes longer to read students writing assignments, particularly essays, because not only do I need to be aware of possible plagiarism, but now I need to be aware of possible AI generated content. And uh, so it's, it is more of a challenge for educators and um, it's really in terms of just, I guess, the the issues of plagiarism and using AI. I have found that students who use that or try to rely on something like that are the ones who are also struggling to connect the ideas that we are discussing in class or the ideas that I'm wanting them to connect 
to kind of come up with their own thoughts about a topic, if you will. So those are definitely, you know, technology, like I said, to me is a tool and um, we do, students do really need guidance, even though they maybe know how to do a lot of things, they don't necessarily know what to do with the content they find. So parents and educators can definitely help them learn how to process what they're finding. So Jenny, I appreciate the fact that you have an attitude of seeing technology as a tool and not either making it to be all good or all bad. And one of the things I think, especially with AI is it's not going to go away. We're not going to put that back under the box and stick it in the closet. And I believe that as educators, if we adopt a fearful mindset and a defensive mindset about that, we'll lose our students. And what we model to them then, if we model an attitude of fear about that, is is something that we don't want them to carry through in their life because we don't know what else is going to be coming down the road that they're going to have to, you know, someday they may be in a, in a position going, oh my goodness, what's this new this new technology, this this new um, um, approach that we have to something? What do we do with this? And so I think that we have, although there are legitimate concerns about okay, how is this going to impact education? We also have this phenomenal opportunity to model for them, how do you deal with something that is new and, and can be um, revolutionary in many ways? And so how do you embrace that in a way that looks at its nuances, its pros, its cons, and its applications in a Christian value system? You know, so so we have that. So I like the fact that you see that as a tool and recognize also the importance that we provide guidance for our students. Um, one of the things as you were as you were talking, not just about technology, but about education that came to mind is that it's education isn't just giving somebody a bunch of content. And when you were talking about the importance of parents and their role in education, even if students are doing well in terms of the metrics of their grades and that type of thing, education is about a whole lot more than just are they getting content, but how are they developing as a person? Um, I've had experience with students who were doing great academically, and yet one of the characteristics that I could see is that they were developing a very perfectionistic mindset. They did not know how to fail. And that does not serve them well in life if they don't know how to, and I don't mean that they have to get an F in class, but I mean to the degree that it was like, if I don't get an A on this or an A plus on this, it's like it just so rattled them. So yeah, you can have that report card that's going home that looks like, oh, my student's great, but you have to be able to measure beyond just that those narrow metrics. <clears throat> and so I know that that's something that you value um, as well. When it comes to 
any advice that you have or insights that you have for parents when it comes to the use of technology at home and how that is impacting a student's education. And again, not just in this very narrow framework of avoiding plagiarism, but in a wider framework of how it's affecting how they engage with the world, how they see learning, how they process their own thoughts, anything that you would share with parents that they can apply at home. Well, more than anything, I think is, you know, main, maintaining the kind of relationship with your kids where they will talk to you about what they're encountering. And, um, you know, every family probably has their own guidelines and rules when it comes to using technology. I know it was, uh, my kids were both really older teenagers before they could get on social media. And just because I think, you know, I, I felt like I wanted them to know who they were before they started getting bombarded with who the world thinks they should be. And, um, you know, I've been in a unique position where with my younger child, my daughter, she's been a student at the school where I teach. So I know her close friends and I know their parents, their families. And um, in some ways that's been really helpful in terms of just kind of being able to, I hesitate to use the word monitor, but I will, you know, just, just to know, you know, who my daughter is, interacting with, whether it's texting or on social media. Um, I mean, one thing I, I encourage parents to do and educators also is to learn how social media works. And one of the questions that I ask my own kids as well as students, if they're mentioning a, a platform of some kind online is, you know, tell me what is it you like about that? What is it that that either does or is there a purpose it serves that, that other, let's say, platforms don't? You know, what is it you like about that specific one? Because I think, um, you know, sometimes because kids learn about all these technology things usually faster than the adults around them do, it, it is important to figure out, okay, what is this? How does it function? Um, what is the appeal to the particularly students? And um, I've, I know I've learned in, in some ways how to use some online resources that I didn't know about from students. And, um, you know, they, typically know far beyond what I know as a parent and as an educator. And, um, and I think that uh, that helps them with some ownership and helps them learn that, okay, I have something valuable to contribute. And um, it's not that the, the adults don't know everything and, you know, it's not their job to impart knowledge. I mean, I know, 
I know things that the adults around me don't know. And I think it helps them learn again, that thought process uh, and critical thinking. And so I, I really like to know from students, okay, what is it about this that you like? And, um, going back earlier to, I don't know why this popped into my head. We were talking earlier about just writing, for instance, and I really try to use in my classroom, a combination of technology and just old fashioned paper and pencil. So I begin in my English class, I begin with a journal question every day and the students write in a composition notebook. But then at the end of the week, you know, they give to me and I read through them. And unfortunately, I wish I could comment on everything they write, but I can't because of time. Um, but I think that's valuable for them to, to learn that I can put my thoughts down by writing on paper. I don't have to type it all the time. Um, and so, um, I know your question was much broader than I'm than I'm answering, but um, no, no, no. You take it wherever yeah. you want to go because we want this to be very relevant. And right. you know, right. so there, there's no right, right or wrong answer there. You know, I like the idea. You know that <clears throat> that journal question and a handwritten response. I cannot recall the science of this specifically at the cellular level, but I do know that the brain processes handwriting through different neural circuits than it does uh, typing yes. and so or even voice to text mm -hmm. and so that's critically important especially during those those growing up in adolescent years when the when the brain is deciding these are the connections I really want to keep and these are the ones I'm, I'm going to cut and get rid of and so if we do away with handwriting entirely we really are handicapping our students and impacting their brains at, at a critical time. So, yes, definitely. Yeah, and that's something that's very practical. It really could be done in any uh, subject area. It doesn't right. just have to be in a writing class. Right. It can, it can be in any area. Right. I also teach Latin and, um, you know, it's definitely something that my students need to hand write. And, you know, there is definitely a connection between the mechanics of writing something by hand. And, you know, you really, you have to stop and think about what you're writing when you do that. And so even in my Latin class, I use old fashioned flashcards where they put their vocabulary words, you know, write the word on one side and the meaning and, you know, other notes about it on the other side. And I found out this last year that with many of the kids, they make the cards and then they don't use them to study. So I've realized, oh, wait a minute, I guess I need to tell them, here's why I'm having you do this. <laughs> the idea is that if they are writing it by hand, then their brain has to focus and process on what they are writing. And I mean, I know for myself, if I need to type something, I could probably watch TV and type something at the same time because I'm just typing words. I'm, I don't necessarily have to think about it. Um, and so I do think it's valuable just for thought processes and the, the connections in our brains for people, particularly 
students who use a lot of technology to be doing that by hand. Um, and it's, we joke sometimes among educators that if students spent the amount of time on homework that they do trying to figure out a shortcut to do the homework, then <laughs> another, another uh, challenge that we've had with technology is something the students have told me is called photo math. And I've, I've not used it myself. I haven't seen it used, but from what they've explained to me, they can, uh, there's an app on their phone and they can use it to scan a math problem and then it will work out the problem for them mm. step by step. So it doesn't just come up with the answer. It actually shows them how to do that. So there are definite positives in that where, you know, it is a way to reinforce what they're learning, especially if they're struggling to see and ex another example of, okay, here's how you would work the problem. Unfortunately, what some students are doing is rather than thinking it through themselves, they're just turning to that immediately, copying it down and moving on to the next problem. So they're wanting that app to do the work for them. So again, as you mentioned, it's the technology can be used to be really helpful and in helping reinforce what students are learning or maybe even to teach them a new concept, but it can be abused also by relying on that. You know, just like um, I can think of an essay topic that I assign every year to my students. And there are many essays on the same topic online. And I, I guess my philosophy is I think getting ideas out in the open makes them less, um, I'm not sure what the word is, not scary, but tempting maybe, you know, I tell students, yes, there are many essays online about this topic and, you know, it might be helpful to you to find some and read them to get an idea of how other people have approached the topic. Of course, my intention isn't that they're going to borrow those, you know, um, and I tell them that, you know, of course, you can go out and find an essay and reproduce it and turn it in as though it's your own. But, you know, you will know that you haven't really done the work and the thinking for yourself. So I think it's it it also goes back to um, knowing scripture and, you know, the way to know what scripture really says is to read it and to study it so that if you come across something that maybe sounds like it is scripture, you can discern whether it is or was whether it isn't. So kind of that same approach, that same, um, thought process can be applied, I think, to, any use of technology or, you know, other resources students might be trying to use. Right. And what you've, one of the common themes that I've heard as you have um, 
as we've been talking so far from that I've heard from you is the importance of engaging in conversations and asking those questions and being very intentional um, to create not just one conversation, you don't just sit down and have one conversation about technology, but it's this ongoing conversation as a parent, as an educator about technology, about the purpose of learning, about critical thinking. And critical thinking isn't just the ability to play chess well. I mean, critical thinking is the ability to also hear in a conversation what somebody is actually saying rather than just jumping to a conclusion. <clears throat> and I think we could all agree that as a nation, we would benefit tremendously by people who will engage in that critical thinking at the nuance level rather than just, you know, at the surface level and contributing to more polarization. We're going to go ahead and pause here, but we are going to continue this interview with Jenny in the next episode. And I know that there has just been a wealth of information and you're going to be even more encouraged and informed as we continue and pick up with this in the next episode. Hey, if you haven't already, hop on over to the website, stephaniepresents.com. And you can check out more uh, resources that are there, as well as information on speaking engagements. Thank you so much for being with me today. And as we get ready to head back into a new school year, at least is the time that this episode is being released, I want you to remember this, whether you are a Christian school administrator, you are a teacher, or you are a home educator, you do have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. Thank you for being with us today. For information on speaking engagements and resources for your school or family, visit the website key3educators.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.